Hi, this is Pastor Wilson with Renew Church OC. Thanks for joining our podcast. We're walking through the book of Luke, thinking about what it means to follow Jesus, to see the world the way he does, and to integrate his patterns into our life. I hope you enjoyed the sermon today. I also wanted to point you to the description section where you can find the church's website. We would love for you to visit our church and consider investing in our ministry. There's two other links. One is a podcast that I do with a therapist at Renew Church, and we kick around issues like dating, mental health, and friendships. And lastly, there's a children's book series and a journal that I wrote with my wife and my mentor, and we'd love for you to look at those resources as well. Thank you so much for being a part of the Renew Church family, and I hope that you enjoy the sermon today. God bless. Thank you. Good morning, guys. I'm uh, really excited for so many of you, and thanks for visiting Renew, those of you that are headed off to RFKC today. Um, Like Wilson said, I'm Kristen. A lot of you know me um, pretty well. Maybe it's because you've been around since Renew started like I have, or I'm up here most weeks giving announcements. Um, But I don't know if you knew this about me, but I am not Asian. (laughs) Is that news to anybody here? (laughs) Mind blown, I know, I see it. Um, I may not have had any of you guys fooled, but I think that I fooled my Instagram algorithm for a little while. So for a little while, like I was uh, scrolling my Instagram and in the ads, I would notice Asian faces. And I was like, that's so cool. You know, like I love the representation and I know in media, a lot of times it's just white faces. And so I noticed and I thought it was cool. And then I was like, it's exclusively Asian faces (laughs) in my advertisements. Like, I think that Instagram thinks I am Asian, you know? Because what what does an algorithm do? It follows us, it's tracking us, you know? And it's like, uh, who do you follow? And who do you like? And, um, and so apparently it was a lot of Asian faces that I followed and liked. So I love it. I took it as a great compliment. I will have you know that. Um, but you know, any of us on social media, we know a little bit about algorithms and what they say. So there's like a picture of what this is like. Um, an algorithm says, I want to know you. Um, I want to know all of you. I want to know what you like. I want to know what you don't like. Um, I want to know who you follow and where your eyes linger. Um, I want to know you because I want to be able to predict your behavior. Um, And not only predict, but um, an algorithm really wants to be able to produce our behavior, right? To be able to control what we do. There's a picture, if you guys have it, it's kind of like a picture of social media being um, like a puppeteer and us being uh, little puppets, right? We don't, we don't like being put in that position. We're like, you don't, you don't control me. Um, but I think that uh, we can do the same thing sometimes in the way that we follow Jesus. So stay with me for a second. We say, uh, when we study Jesus and what he does, we want to say, I want to know you. I, I want to know all about you. I want to know what you like. I want to know what you don't like, what pleases you. Uh, and sometimes we say it because we want to be able to predict 
his behavior. Uh, what are you going to do? Um, and, but more than that, we want to be able to produce a behavior in him. We want to control the results. We want to say, what do I need to do to get you to do this? Just tell me what I need to know so that I can know what I need to do to get you what I need you to do. Um, sometimes we do that. And we are going to study Jesus today like we always do when we come to church, and it's a very good thing. And saying that we want to know him and we want to know all about him and what he likes is a very right thing, and that's why we gather. Um, but we'll notice in the passage today that it's intentionally laid out in a way that we cannot construct a formula. There is no simple algorithm to take from it to be able to predict or produce behavior out of Jesus. So if you've been with us for a while, we've been studying the book of Luke. And I, a couple times ago when I was teaching, uh, we were started Luke 1, and that was in December. So it has been a while. We've taken some breaks here and there, but now we're in Luke 7. And um, Luke, in the beginning of his letter, he says exactly what he's after in writing this. He said that he's creating an orderly account of Jesus so that Theophilus and the other readers would have more certainty about the things that they've heard of Jesus. So he's writing it so that people can have more certainty about the things that they've heard about Jesus. So even as we're reading today, we want to have more certainty about what we know about Jesus. Yes, but spoiler alert, not predictability. So we're going to jump in at Luke 7, um, starting in verse 1, and I'm just going to pray for us as we um, jump into this chapter together. Um, God, we do. It's a true statement. We want to know you, and we want to know all about you. Um, so would you help us to do that in a real way uh, this morning, that you would say to us what you want to say to us through your word um, and that we would hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Luke 7, 1 through 17, we have two different encounters with Jesus that are pretty different from each other. And so we're going to read it. I'm going to read all the way through the passage, summarize it, and then we'll do the next one. So a little bit of reading, but you can stay with me as you follow on the screen. Okay, encounter one, number one, starting in verse one. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion servant, who his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with him. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Okay, 
Brief summary of what just happened. A centurion is a commander over 100 soldiers in the Roman army. So we have this servant, this centurion who loved his servant who was sick. And it says he's well-respected. There were Jewish elders that went out to seek Jesus um, on his behalf. And you can tell they really respect him. Like, this man is awesome. He really deserves you to do this. And just with that, Jesus goes with them. But before he gets there, the centurion sends another word and says, uh, I know what it's like to lead and have authority. And you have even greater authority. So you could just say the word. And my servant would be well. And Jesus does. And the servant is well. Okay, so let's jump to the next encounter number two. This is starting in verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier that they were carrying him on, and the bearer stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has, has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Okay, so encounter two. A dead man's being carried out of town, and Jesus sees it happening. This man's the only son to his widowed mother. So basically, with this man's death, that, wo that woman's future has died as well. Jesus was passing by, saw this happening, and had compassion on her, saying, don't weep. And then when he raises the man back to life, it says he gives the son back to the mother. And basically, as he's giving this man back to the widow, he's giving her her future back. Okay, so we have these two encounters, and if we're looking at these passages to say, Jesus, we want to know you, we want to know what you're like, and if we're going a little bit too far, maybe to say, Jesus, we want to predict you, what are you going to do, what do we need to do to get you to do what you do as a miracle worker, then what, then what can we conclude? if we look at these two encounters. Well, if we put them side by side on the next slide, they're very different. It's hard to pull anything out that we can predict, right? So we have on one side a centurion. He's a man with authority. He's really, really respected. And then in number two, widow, who's a woman to be pitied. In encounter one, it's a man of great reputation. People are vouching for his worthiness. And the second one, there's a crowd with her, but we don't really know. First encounter, Jesus was sought out by the Jewish leaders. They asked him. In the second scenario, Jesus is just passing by, and he sees. In the first one, we have a servant who's sick. And, um, you know, the servant is loved by the centurion, but not needed, probably, and in the second one, it's a son um, who is basically the livelihood of the mother. She, need, she does need him. One, we're dealing with sickness. Another, we're dealing with death. One time, Jesus is moved by someone's faith. Another time, he's moved by pity. In the first one, he heals from afar just by a word. In the second encounter, he came near to touch, and that's how the man was resurrected. 
In the first encounter, the centurion has a declaration of faith to Jesus. And in the second encounter, Luke doesn't record the widow saying anything. So it's really hard to figure out, well, what, what do you do to get Jesus to do what you really want him to do? So what do you think Luke is showing us by having these encounters back to back like this? One thing I think he's showing us, and this is not the main point, but I think it's worth mentioning. One thing he's showing us is verifiable faith. And I just think this is really interesting. Verifiable faith, meaning the things that he's recording that are happening, um, they're verifiable. People were there. It says a few times that when Jesus left the centurion, a crowd went with him. When Jesus went to the town, his disciples and a large crowd went with him. When he saw the widow, a large crowd was with her. So people were there. And we're still talking about it today. And so if this did not happen, if this servant was not healed, if this man was not raised to life, this, while Luke is creating an orderly account, this could have or should have really been disproven and discredited. But here it is, still articulating. But mainly what else Luke is showing us by these two stories back to back is as he's creating this orderly account to bring us certainty about who Jesus is, he's showing us what God is like in the face of Jesus. And in particular in this story, he's showing us that Jesus is not predictable. Right before this, Jesus has just finished his teaching, um, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Sermon on the Mount is Matthew. Some scholars think that Luke is just a retelling of it. Some think it's a separate sermon, but a lot of the same things. But either way, he's teaching about his upside-down kingdom, things that are blowing people's minds, totally backwards than what they thought. I can just imagine... um, the first listeners to these sermons or the first readers to this letter. And just in that sermon that happened right before this interaction saying, wait, who is blessed? The weak, the poor, the sick? Like, what did you say about my enemies and what I'm supposed to do? Who Who am I supposed to love? How am I supposed to forgive? And now this, and now they hear these two stories back to back someone being healed, someone being raised to life, and being like, well, who are they? What did they do? How did they get Jesus to do that? So why would it be important for us to see that Jesus is not predictable? In the next slide, I think, first of all, um, it's just that God wants to be God and not us. Uh, He knows that we make terrible gods, and uh, sometimes we make terrible humans, to be honest. (laughs) But uh, he wants to be God and not us. And if we can predict who Jesus is, or if we can produce the results we want in him, he ceases to be God. We become his God. So God wants to be God, not us. Two... um, The importance of seeing that Jesus isn't predictable is God wants us to trust him um, instead of the results that we want from him. He wants us to trust who we're praying to 
and not the results that we're praying for. So here's what this passage is not. It is not two ways to get Jesus to do what you deeply want him to do. Because that's kind of what we see happening, right? We have the centurion deeply wanting Jesus to heal. And without even seeing it, you know that this widow deeply wants her son back. But this passage is not two ways to get Jesus to do what you want him to do. Because that is one dangerous application that we can take from passages like this that we see Jesus do the miraculous. Is we can look at that and we can say, man, if Jesus did that in my life, then I would believe. If Jesus healed my friend, then I would believe. If God reversed the deaths that I've had to mourn, then I would believe. If God just gave me the thing that I deeply want, then I would believe. But in this story, what we see is more than that. And one reason why I think it's important that we see Jesus being unpredictable is because God wants to see that he is God, not us. He wants us to trust him instead of results. But also it exposes our functional saviors. What I mean by that is things... uh, that we believe actually will make us well. Not just the things that we say and declare um, that we trust, but the things that we actually trust. Um, Because here's here's, um, the danger that the centurion and the widow will both face. Uh, When they get, when we get what we crave, what we really long for, when we get the thing that we say, everything will be okay if I just have this, well, then maybe that becomes our functional savior. And we all have them. You know, maybe it's reputation. Like if people just thought well of me, uh, then I'd be okay. Or it might be family or marital status. Like if I, um, if I would just get married, if I could just have kids, if my marriage would just be healed, um, then I'll be okay. Um, It might be financial security. It might be personal health or the health of the people you love or your kids. Like if they were well, I would be okay. Uh, My functional saviors are all of the above, to name a few. Uh, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. And, uh, And it's tricky when we look at this passage and we think about the way that we see Jesus doing the miraculous is because he heals the worthy and the unworthy. Everyone has functional saviors. Everyone has idols, which means he chooses to heal and do the miraculous where, when people do have idols outside of him. We can't predict him, but he's not inclined maybe to give us what he thinks will move our worship from him to something else. But yeah, we can't, we can't totally predict him, but it doesn't mean that we cannot understand him or put an anchor somewhere, right? So I'm not saying Jesus is unpredictable in a way where it's like, well, we serve a wild God. We don't know what he's up to. Good luck, you know? Um, that, would, that would be terrible. <laughs> um, so what, what can we count on? If Jesus is not predictable, uh, what can we count on? Um, he's not predictable, but he is consistent. And that's in the next slide. He is consistent in his character. 
So if we look at the same two encounters that Jesus had, um, what can we draw on that is consistent about his character that we know that we can put an anchor in? One, that he is able. He does have the power and authority to heal and to raise from the dead beyond what we can imagine. You know, it's not just the worthy, and it's not just if they're sick, even if they're dead. Uh, It's, you know, in all of this different scenario, we know that he is able, that he has more power than we can imagine. And also, in both of these encounters, we know that he is moved. Not that we can, like, manipulate a formula to decide how he's moved, but we see that he is moved. He's moved by faith. He's moved by compassion. Doesn't matter if they're wealthy or poor, no matter the severity of the illness, whether there's people vouching for you or not, he's moved by us, by his kids, by his creation. And lastly, um, he's always bigger. Jesus is always bigger than our experience of him. And I think about if we were just to take these two stories and just kind of like silo the centurion's experience if he only is like Jesus is only what my experience of him has been or if the widow is Jesus is only what my experience is of him we can do this too right like I only understand Jesus based on my experience of him Uh, what what do we miss so earlier there was a slide where we compared both we can we can go to the next slide similarly we see the two different slides Uh, the two different um, comparisons of the two stories, um, but really what they saw about Jesus. So the centurion acknowledged that Jesus had authority and power. It says Jesus was amazed by his faith that he was able to heal. But even that experience and declaration of faith was short-sighted. Jesus is so much more than the centurion's experience of him. He's bigger than an earthbound miracle worker. Okay, and the widow... When the widow's son was raised to life, the crowds around her declared, a great prophet has risen among us. But even that declaration is short-sighted. Jesus is more than that crowd's experience of him. He is more than just a spokesperson or a visitor from God. So we know that God is able. We know that God is moved. And we can also see that he is bigger than our own experience of him which is really important because if we only look at that, those first two that he is able and he is moved, we're left wondering what do we do when we don't see Jesus heal, when we don't see him do the miraculous. And I think we all have stories that we carry and we remember about those questions that we still have before God, like why didn't you heal? Why didn't you move or show your compassion in that way? Um, Exactly one month ago today, so it was June 16th, I was in a church in Northern California. Uh, We were in church on a Friday. Lucy was sitting next to me, sobbing, and Jonathan was sitting next to her, like barely holding it together. Uh, We're we're in church on a Friday because we're at a memorial service. And in front of us, uh, we see a slideshow of pictures uh, with a picture like this, pictures of ourselves uh, with a beautiful young woman, Sam, who's the one hugging Lucy, the blonde. Um, 
You might not know Sam, but all three of those girls, those are the Worthington sisters, uh, they're former students of ours. They all attended Cal State Fullerton crew. Um, and Beth, who's closest to me, and Kelsey, who you might know, they came to Renew for a while before they moved to Northern California. So these girls, uh, you know, became like family to us. And um, Sam was also a former student of ours in our crew ministry at Cal State Fullerton. Sam babysat both my kids. Uh, she came on a summer mission project that Jonathan and I led, to, led together, so stayed with us for that summer. I got to learn, watch her as she learned how to share her faith for the first time. Uh, Sam was beautiful and hilarious. Uh, Sam died in May after a very short and intense battle with cancer. Um, so if I were to take these passages from Luke and how to get Jesus to move, Sam should still be alive. If anyone is deserving, it's her. She's young. She died at 28. Uh, she's well-respected and loved. If anyone can run to Jesus and get him to respond by amazing faith, surely it's girls like this. Or what about the story of the widow's son when Jesus was moved by pity and compassion? I think, what about Caleb, Sam's six-month-old son? Surely that moves Jesus to pity and to action. But no, I'm sitting here in this church on a Friday, and I'm watching Beth and Kelsey um, share stories from up front, and I can hear Caleb cry from the front of the church. And then a recording comes on, um, on the video of Sam's grandparents during the service. And they're telling sweet stories about Sam. They had Zoom calls with her every week. She was just really loyal and sweet to her family. And as they were wrapping up their segment of sharing memories about Sam, um, the grandfather said, uh, well, Sam, I think we'll be seeing you soon. This is Grandpa 95 and Grandma 91. It, um, it wasn't all the answers that I was looking for that day. Um, but there was something different about what her grandparents shared. They had like a secret. They were so close to what they knew was true. Um, they were looking forward in hope and anticipation and confidence. And sometimes I think that uh, when we're left wondering what about when he's able and we know that he's compassionate when we don't see it, um, sometimes it's all we can do is look forward in hope, in anticipation, even with wavering faith and confidence. Because these encounters recorded in Luke, they were just a foreshadowing. They were just a glimpse they weren't really the full picture of someone getting their heart's desire. They weren't really a full healing, and it wasn't really a full resurrection. The centurion, I'm sure he went on to have other requests of Jesus that were unanswered. He mourned other deaths. His servant did eventually die. The widow, too. There's no reason to think that she lived the rest of her life without heartache or struggle. These encounters with Jesus that are recorded here, they're just, 
They're just like the Costco sample, meant for you to crave what is actually real, the full picture, the full healing, the full resurrection. It's just a taste. Even the disciples that signed up to follow Jesus through all this, that got to see miracle after miracle, even they were crushed when they realized that Jesus was headed for the cross. Even all they experienced on earth wasn't everything that they were hoping for. So we are meant to look forward to our ultimate healing, our final and eternal life beyond the curtain of death. The true answer to I will be okay if I get this. And it's not meant to be a cliche or a pretty bow to wrap things up because there's still pain for sure. Um, but also it's because it's what we actually believe. In 1 Corinthians 15, 19, Paul says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are the most to be pitied. If following Christ gives us hope just for this life, what we crave here, like we're to be pitied. That's not what we're truly craving. That's not gonna fulfill our heart's desire. That's not real healing and that's not real resurrection. It's just a taste. But also we are totally meant to yearn to see that. When we sing lyrics like Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, like we are meant to sing those songs and to desire to see the healing and the miracles happen here and now. We are supposed to pray, God, I wanna see your will here on earth as it is in heaven. So we ought to pray for that, trust God for that, yearn for that, this side of heaven, and then we trust and then we wait, and then we see that we can't predict him, and that sometimes we get to soar, uh, being totally elated that we saw him heal, and then sometimes we don't see it, this side of heaven, and we keep looking forward. And we just don't know. We don't know, like looking from here forward, we don't know like what are the things that are gonna make our hearts totally soar, and what are the things that are gonna make our hearts totally break. Uh, but we know that he is the one who is able, uh, able to hold it all, able to heal it all, that he's moved by compassion on our behalf, ultimately demonstrated by the cross. Um, and we know that he's God and not us, so much more than our limited experience of him. And so that last part, that's really important, just knowing that Jesus is so much bigger than my experience of him. And, you know, if you've been around Renew a little bit, we usually, when we, before the sermon and after the sermon, we like to take time to break off with a couple people around us and share a couple of reflection questions from the sermon. And we're going to do that um, right now, actually. Um, and as we do that, you can look at these questions. Um, that bottom one, God is always bigger than our experience of him. What are practical ways we can expand our view of God beyond our own experience of him? I think this, you know, like... Um, there's things that Wilson or Dave or Kevin or Owen and myself, people up here will share about our experience of God that really resonates with you and some that feels really different. And that hopefully expands our view of God. So even as we break up and share some of these questions, I'm really hoping that that will take us beyond that, that sharing together and connecting together with another image bearer of God, another person who has a story of walking with him 
um, it expands our view of him and our ability to trust him more. So we're going to take time to do that right now. I'll pray for us um, before we do that. And then, um, Wilson, if you can lead us in communion um, after we have time, time to discuss. So yeah, I'll pray for you. <clears throat> God, I do pray for um, just our time sharing with each other right now. Pray that as we um, learn from what's recorded in scripture, from your words, and um, even as we learn from each other about our stories, either of walking with you for a long time, maybe our stories of just kind of checking you out and not being totally sure of you, Um, our stories of hurt, our stories of healing, um, that these would be things that really expand our view of you and our ability to trust you. Um, Thanks that you are able. We know you're able. Thanks that we know that you are near, that you are moved, um, and for your ultimate demonstration for us um, of that on the cross. We love you, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really grateful that you'd spend time listening to the sermon series. And we also wanted to point you to a few other resources. My wife and I wrote a children's book collection helping kids bridge their faith with God's calling in their life as a businessman, as a doctor or nurse, and as a creative. Secondly, we wrote an adulting journal which helps young adults think through this transition into adulthood whether it's transitions in friendship, family, faith, or calling. And lastly, I want to point to a podcast that myself and another church member, Roy Kim, who's a therapist, co-hosts together. It's called The Same Boat. We talk about relationships. We just finished um, a series on dating. We think back to an English ministry church, and we just tackle all kinds of topics that are relevant to our life. I hope that uh, those resources enrich your life as well. And lastly, if you're looking to partner with us, on our website, we have a give section. You could give to our general fund and continue to serve our church through, um, through partnering with us financially. But if you scroll down, we have quite a few local missionaries that have called Renew Home. If you read their bio, there's also a section to give to each one of our local missionaries. We hope that all of them would be fully funded going into this year. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, hope to hear, hope to uh, have you join us again.